0: Greetings in Jesus name to each of you For those of you that have been here on a regular basis, you probably know where I'm going to go this morning We're still in the life of Joseph I feel like sometimes I about can't keep up with Sunday school, but I'm trying to stay ahead This morning I would like to look at Genesis chapter 42 through 44 There's a lot in there Bear with me I will probably miss something Um, But I'm going to try just taking out of there what I can. I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 42. I'm going to read the first 24 verses. and From that point on, it's probably just going to be bits and pieces out of there. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 42, reading the first 24 verses. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt... Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there, that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers. For he said, Lest some calamity befall him. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who had journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, Why do you come from? Where do you come from? And they said, From the land of Canaan, to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them, and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, No, my lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, No, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, Your servants are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact... The youngest is with our father today, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, It is as I spoke to you, saying, You are spies. In this manner you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh you shall not leave this place unless your younger, youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother, and you shall be kept in prison, that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you. Or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison three days. Then Joseph said to them the third day, Do this and live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house, but you go and carry grain for the famine of your houses. And bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when we pleaded with us when he pleaded with us and we would not hear therefore this distress has come upon us and reuben answered them saying did i not speak to you saying do not sin against the boy and you would not listen therefore behold his blood is now required of us but they did not know that joseph understood them for he spoke to them through an interpreter and he turned himself away from them and wept then he returned to them again and talked with them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. So this is when Joseph and his brothers met. Now in verse 6, it says, Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. And we know the dream dreams that Joseph had of his brothers bowing down to him and and how his brothers hated him for it. Now it has come to fruitation. There are five times recorded in Genesis that his brothers bow down to him. He had two dreams but they bowed down to him five times in total. But in verse 9 it says, then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them. And I don't know how much time Joseph spent in this amount of time thinking about his dreams. Did he forget them all together? Were they just in the back burner? And did Joseph want to reveal himself to his brothers right here and then? But I believe that God was really instrumental in working in joseph's lives in in giving him a timeline of not to reveal who he was but to test his brothers and so joseph put forth testing to his brothers first of all he accused them of being spies second he put all their money back in their grain sacks and third he didn't just put the money back in. He put the double portion of money back in the grain sacks. But I think the biggest test of all was when he put the silver cup in the sack. And he knew and he specifically that it would be in Benjamin's sack. So I believe this time of testing was to work in the lives of his brothers. In verses 21 through 24 it after joseph had told them what needs to take place the brothers were talking amongst themselves now i don't know pennsylvania dutch so when i am around someplace and people are talking pennsylvania dutch i often will ask them could you speak english so i can understand what you're saying and they'll often say oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry or sometimes i may catch just enough of the conversation i won't say anything at all and i'll just Eavesdrop what a little bit I can, I can get because people that talk Pennsylvania Dutch do put enough English words in I can kind of hear. But we're still at any cap. They are talking in verse 21 through 22 amongst themselves not having any clue that Joseph couldn't understand every word they say. That would be hard for me to do. To keep it a secret. I'd want to just laugh and say, huh, I I understand what you're saying. Um, But here they're sharing how God is working, and truly they're guilty for what they did. And they're talking about the man that's listening to them, and not knowing, knowing he is understanding what they're saying. So we know that through verse 21 especially, that they did talk about the anguish of his soul and how Joseph pleaded with them back when he sold them as, to the Ishmaelites. Yet God, God is still working in their lives. So we move on down to chapter 42. The brothers return home. Simeon is not with them. And they explain to their father everything that took place. In verse 36, and Jacob their father said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more, Simeon is no more, and you want to take Benjamin. All these things are against me. I don't know if you've ever been to a place where you can say what Jacob said all things are against me. But I am glad that we have promises in the Bible that would tell us differently um just like to quote romans 8 verse 28 again it says and we know that all things work together for good for those who love god to those who are called according to his purpose now jacob says all things are against me but we can we can see the big picture our lives today we cannot see we can always see the big picture we can usually see the now we cannot see into the future we know what happens. Jacob says, all things are against me, but in reality, all things were working for his good. It did not seem that, like that to him at the point, at the time. But everything was working to his being reunited to his son he thought was dead. So we move on. And they know what's required of them if they go back, and that is to bring Benjamin. And in most of chapter 43 is them deciding what to do, and Benjamin returns with them. But before they leave, Judah makes a promise to his father Jacob. We find that promise in Genesis chapter 43 verses 8 through 14. I'd like to just read those verses. Genesis chapter 43 verses 8 through 14. Says then Judah said to Israel his father, "Send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die. Both we and you and also our little ones" I myself will be surety for him, for my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned the second time. And their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take your brother also and arise, go back to the man, and may God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. We see that Jacob finally let go. He let go of Benjamin, his son. But it's Judah in verse 9 says, I myself will be surety for him. If we look at that, he is making his own life responsible for the life of Benjamin. And I don't know, sometimes we make rash promises in life. I do sometimes. If Judah had any clue that what he said here was going to be exactly what takes place, that he would actually have to speak and be surety for his brother, Benjamin. And we fast forward after they left and the cup was in Benjamin's sack, and they found it. And we look at the response of Judah, and that is found in Genesis chapter 44, verses 18 to 34. When I look at the the life of Joseph and the life of his brothers, We know that Joseph was in prison a number of years. We don't know exactly how long, but there's a good chance he was in prison at least 12 years. But I look at this before I read this response here. How long were Joseph's brothers in prison? The Bible says that he had them in prison for three days and Simeon was longer. But in reality, they had been living in a prison FROM THE TIME THEY SOLD JOSEPH UNTIL THIS TIME HERE. THEY WERE LIVING IN A PRISON OF GUILT. THEY WERE LIVING IN A PRISON OF LIVING A LIE. EVEN WHEN THEY TOLD JOSEPH WHO THEY WERE, HE SAID ONE IS NO MORE. I THINK THEY LIED TO THEMSELVES SO OFTEN THAT THEY THOUGHT HE WAS ACTUALLY DEAD. I DON'T KNOW IF THEY KNEW. BUT THEY SAID THE LIE SO OFTEN THEY WERE IN THAT PRISON OF LIVING A LIE. They were in the prison of guilt, and now their prison is falling down in on them. Let's read this in Genesis chapter 44, verse 30, 44, verse 18 through 34. Then Judah came near to him and said, O my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing, and do not let your anger burn against your servant. For you are even like Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, who is young. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's child, children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, and that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he shall leave his father, his father will die. would die. And you said to your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall see my face no more. So it was when we went up to your servant, my father, that we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go back and buy us a little food. But we said, We cannot go down. If our youngest brother is with us, then we will go down. But we may not see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons, and the one went out for me, and I said, Surely he is torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. But if you take this one also for me, and calamity befalls him, you shall bring down my gray hair and sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, it will happen when he sees that the lad is not with us, that he will die. So your servants will bring down the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father forever. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my lord. And let the lad go up with his brothers, for how shall I go to my father if the lad is not with me? lest perhaps I see the evil that would become upon my father. So here Judah is pleading with Joseph that he would like to take the place of Benjamin and be his servant and let Benjamin go. When I look at this story, I see the Lord working in the lives of his brothers this whole time. Now I asked in Sunday school class, So when we have to wait, do we always have to wait because God isn't dealing with us or is it because he's not done dealing with other people that are involved? I kind of maybe had an insight on where this was coming. And I think sometimes it can be one, it can be both, or it can be the other. We don't always know God's timing. But we see here that the trials and the testing that Joseph did in the brothers' lives Worked. They passed the test. Judah was willing to stand in place of his brother Benjamin. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. If you want to turn with me there, you can. Paul was dealing with... Actually, I think I have that wrong. I think that's 2 Corinthians 12. 9 and 10. I forgot to put an extra check mark there in front of Corinthians. Paul was dealing with a thorn in the flesh and he entreated the Lord to take it away. Actually, in verse 8, he said, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And then in verse 9 and 10 was the response. pleasure in being tested in the trials that we face. Most of us say, no, we don't want to face them. But yet God leads us through trials to strengthen us, to mold us who He wants us to be. The trials that we face, usually it's our response that makes all the difference. I have five ways we can respond to trials. And I think Most of this we can see in the life of Joseph and how he responded when he faced trials, that um, the way he responded is not easy. It's not our human nature. And and these five things are not human nature. It's not something that we automatically respond to. So five ways. The, The first one is to give thanks. Do we give thanks when we're facing a trial? In 1 Thessalonians 5.18 it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thanking God in all things does not mean that we need to thank God for evil. But it does mean that we are thanking God for the benefits He intends for us when we, He allows trials to happen to us. The second thing is to rejoice. Philippians 4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So, when dealing with difficulties, remember these four things. And here again, this is not human nature. The first thing is gaining intimate knowledge of Christ exceeds the value of gaining more possessions. Number two is developing stronger character is more important than getting your own way. Some of these step on our toes quite a hard. Number three is demonstrating self-control is more heroic than dominating your competition. This works better in the game of life than it does in the game of football. But we need to demonstrate self-control is more heroic than dominating your competition. And number four, eternal treasures are far more valuable than earthly riches. Those are things we need to remember when we rejoice at the trials that God has brought our way. Back, the third thing is believe and act on the word of God. When Jesus was tempted, he quoted scripture. In Matthew 4:4 4, 4, he says it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God gave us the word and when we are tempted quote scripture believe and act on the word of God. And the fifth point is overcome evil with good. Matthew 5:44 says love your enemies bless those who curse you Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. All these go against our human nature. But yet, when we face trials, God is trying to bring us to a point where He intends us to be. And that is to strengthen and grow us. And we see where the brothers, where Judah is at, at the end of chapter 44. Instead of selling his brother that he hated, he was willing to take surety for his younger brother. Romans 12, 21 says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. If you react to a person who offends you and become bitter towards them, you are actually putting yourself in emotional prison. And that's where these brothers were at all these these years. They were in emotional prison for the lies, for the hate, for everything that they did to their brother. They were the ones that were actually in prison. Joseph was actually more free than they were. It says, Bitterness will control your thought life, your emotions, your free time, and your health. In order to be free from this prison, you must forgive. And I believe that's the reason why Joseph didn't just reveal himself to him right away. He wanted to test them to see where their heart was at. I think he had already forgiven them, but he wanted to see where they were at. In closing, I, I don't have the story here. I just read it, and I'll just kind of say it as much as I know. But most of us all know the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And uh, Mr. Spafford was a successful businessman, but he had gone through difficulties in life. Um, he lost a good part of his business in the Chicago fire. And then he lost a four year old son to scarlet fever. But most of all, through those difficulties, he sent his wife and four daughters on a vacation, and he was going to join them later. And for most of you that know the story, he got a telegram from his wife that says, Arrived alone. Their ship had sank. His four daughters died. So he boarded a ship to join his wife. And the captain captain summoned him and said, This is the area where the ship went down. Your daughters passed away. And that's when he penned the words, It is well with my soul. And I hope this morning we can all sing that song with true clarity that it is well with my soul. Even though the sun isn't always shining, as we can say, even though it's cloudy, is it well with our soul? I've asked Zach to lead that song, and we will end with that song, and I'll turn it over to Doyle.